0: Welcome back to a of Bloods as we talk through the elimination final loss to end our 2023 season. Summer has come early, but not because of only global warming, but also the way we were seen out by the Blues at the MCG in the last game of the year for the Swannies. So fluff up your tail feathers and settle in for a potentially biased yarn about all things to do with our beloved bloods.
1: Let's hear
0: G'day there, Cygnus and Swanlings. My name is Chris, and I'm joined again by my man, Naughty Naughty. Welcome back, mate. Cheers, mate. Look, let's get stuck right into it as we go into what is the final game for the men's season. Score recap. Last uh, Friday, week ago, rather, our Sydney Swans were defeated by the Carlton Blues by six points with a final score of 11 8, 74 to 9-14-68. Noddy, what do you have to say about that elimination final loss? I can't even say the words because it upsets me. But the elimination (laughs) final loss to the Blues, mate, what have you got to say?
1: Uh, Look, obviously, um, we've let a bit of time lapse between then and now. Um, I think emotionally probably needed to leave a bit of time between. But, you know, in the in the wake of the game itself, I mean, I was I was absolutely gutted, absolutely livid at the circumstances again um, in, in that, you know, we had chances to win and didn't really take it. Um, but you know we you know we showed a lot of guts we were down at half time uh, down by 29 and then we obviously pushed to come back um, within a goal but yeah kicked two two goals five in the last quarter so you know really could have should have won um you know that's not saying that they didn't have their chances too obviously Harry McKay uh, missed a couple of sitters um you know and the things that could have gone either way but uh, yeah look it's it's disappointing that we uh, we couldn't get that win and it's obviously disappointing we couldn't stop this this growing VFL media snowball <laughs> where they're almost willing Carlton to win because they just they just can't help themselves when it comes to like a little fairy tale ending so um you know and you get the vibe that they're pushing for a carlton and collingwood final but well i think we're going to get into that more as the episode plays out but um yeah look at obviously gutted the season's over I'm happy we made finals in you know in our own controversial ways uh, but yeah it's it, you can't help but feel um we left a little bit out on the field that that day so yeah mixed emotions mate
0: yeah man, i'm the same look, i hate the Blue song it's such a bad song it bothers me (laughs) that they keep that song at the tempo it's at everything about that song is awful I hate hearing it Um, I kind of feel a little bit guilty for a bit of this because I I don't know if you remember Noddy I think when we beat them in round 11 or so um, I did mention at the time and you called me up on it but I was like I feel a little bit bad for their fans having to deal with all of this all these years and you were like, don't do that, mate. Because the second that they start getting up, they're going to be so annoying. Yeah. You, what are you, Nostradamus, mate? You picked it <laughs> perfectly because as soon as they started winning, they started becoming frustratingly annoying. Like the whole yeah. of the Media, as you said there, got on the back of them. They, you know, Sen had their own cast ex- ex- exclusively for them. It just became frustrating. And so to to have 99 percent of the fans at the mcg to be swans fans sorry to be blues fans there was very few swans fans in amongst it and uh there was a whole lot of things going in their direction it actually frustrates me so to go out like the way we did um where we had a genuine chance and as you said they kicked two five in the last quarter and we we could have we could have gotten up um it's a bit disappointing and. Although it's an up and down season, you, you you remember, and this is a review of that game, so we're allowed to feel the emotion of that game, and we can put it into greater context of the entire season in the season review podcast that we'll put out in a couple of weeks. But right now, it hurts, and um, yeah, just trying to trying to move on. And if we're going to use a couple of quotes from horse, he he said, "It's it's tough to get to the finals every year, and right now, I feel that we gave it a good crack." Um, I think that's a decent summary of where we've gotten to, and. Yeah, we're just going to have to move on and work out what to do for the rest of this year with the girls out there as well. And and there's a whole lot of uh, talking points to be had about um, what that means in the off-season as well that we'll get into. Mm, mm. Uh, mate, look, on to the good, the bad, and
1: the stats.
0: Uh, any. Points on your side that we felt was worthwhile talking
1: about oh mate I'll just take this this top one here minus 25 in contestant possessions I mean this this is probably the stat of the year and as you said we'll do a a review of the season in a couple of weeks but just it seems to be the theme. Um, even with our run home, our winning run home, you know, we're we're just getting over the line. And you know, in games where we can, you know, nullify the contested possession differential, um, we we did quite well. But in games that we we lose, we, we're putting ourselves under pressure. Um, and this really is the the thing that we really I think we need to tackle um, for the you know off season. But uh, yeah, it was the same in this game. You know, they had obviously all their their, mid, their star-studded midfield really with their role players and, and they sort of, I think they just, yeah, they got it done. So I think that's... Mm. I mean, again, it's hard for me because you know a bit of time has lapsed, but I just remember um, thinking, you know, we we weren't dominant—not that we we're expecting to be—but you know, we we're hoping that we could have um, at least been a bit more impactful in that area, and 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 not being able to be that, you know, was was probably one of the contributing factors to the to the loss in the end. Not the not the sole one, obviously. The accuracy really hurt us, but yeah, I don't know, mate. How about you?
0: Yeah, I think it's a good point. I think the minus twenty-five contested possessions was a major factor as you said, we weren't necessarily expecting to win that. Pers- perhaps I think that they're just that's their game. That's what they're very, very good at. And Crips kind of leads that inside. And but I think we didn't necessarily do a good job of uh, stemming it either. And you know, using an example like Heaney uh, played on Crips in the first game that we played against him in round eleven or whatever it was, and he did a pretty good job. Uh, I, I think he ended up collecting all the biscuits in terms of coaches votes or whatnot. So. In this season, uh, sorry, in this last game of the elimination final, he only went in for like 30% centre-bounce b- attendance, and I thought that would have been well up. I felt that he would have been useful to using the inside a bit more considering that success that he had over Cripsy um, in the first game. So that, that's something to consider um, about it all. One of the other points, and I'd be interested to hear what you think about it, is uh, Jazzy and Melican, uh coming in uh, mm. for was it Francis and Stevens. um Fox. Respectively, and Foxy. Oh yeah, Foxy, of course, big one there. I I didn't see them as really being factors for the game. How how did you feel? Did we feel that we kind of missed the point there of selection?
1: Uh, look, I don't know. I think it's easier to say it now, but in in the lead up, it seemed like um, in terms of matchups, it was a better call. Um, and yeah, maybe they were both a bit underdone. Although Milliken has been been playing for had been playing for a few. Weeks at by that stage, I think Juzzy was more underdone, Uh, but they both, you know, they both had their moments. They, you know, they weren't the only ones to, um, you know, feel like they were succumbing to the the pressure of finals, even though we have all this finals experience. I look, it's just, I think about it, I think about it's like we we really should have won the game. You know, Mm -hmm. we were underdogs, um, we had the final experience, but as you said, there was only a few splashes of red in the crowd, unfortunately. And that's that's the that's kind of the challenge of coming, you know, seventh or eighth, you know. Obviously, you want to try and um, finish top four to have two bites. But if you're going to finish in, the in f- you know, five, six, seven, eight, you want to be fifth or sixth so you can at least have a home final. Um, and, you know, maybe things would be different if, we, if we'd if we gotten to play at the SCG. But obviously, I mean, you and I, we couldn't make it down, obviously. so yeah. um, But we weren't the only ones who weren't there. It was overwhelming, over, overwhelmingly nav- Navy in the crowd, wasn't it? So, um, you know, these sorts of things run through your head as well. You know, shoulda, coulda water. But... I don't know it's um I just yeah. feel with
0: foxy that's a particularly one because I think he's he's uh a last elimination final loss that we had against the Giants. I think we lost by the one or two I think it was just the one um mm-hmm. where Foxy also didn't play that game um, there's two in a row and I just feel that I you know, he was a bit of a sad one to miss out because he's been playing well pretty good for this year and we know how well he is at stimming the stats for some of the plays that he plays on. Yeah, I, I felt that that selection was a bit uh, concerning. But as you said, uh, leading up into it, having Melikin in a bigger body against some of their players did make a lot of sense. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, coulda, woulda, shoulda, um, easy to understand that. But, uh, mm. yeah, it is what it is. We, we kind of roll on with the rest of it.
1: It's very clear, though, if you just isolate that one move in terms of dropping Fox, and as you said, it's happened before, it's, it's very clear um, that Cunningham... Is is above Fox in the pecking order, um, just for that that small lockdown um, role, and and obviously with rampy fit, then yeah Fox is the first one to go there. But if you're thinking to put a, a bigger body, you know, on the likes of McKay, but I mean he wasn't really um, influential in the game after all. But I mean, had he kicked those two as we mentioned, then yeah you you'd, you'd say yeah. different, yeah different differently. So yeah, look, I, I don't know, mate. Um, obviously Blakey, I think is a talking point. Absolutely, yeah. So Martin basically gives him a, a right hook straight to the face. He goes off for 20 minutes. We lose one of our best players um, in the first quarter for that length and, and obviously subject to HIA, but does come back on and and, and, and helps us. Um, you know, it was one of the reasons we were able to call our way back. But And then Martin eventually only gets one week. Is that right? That's
0: right. He only got the one week. And I mean, it's kind of a bit funny. Like he went in swinging – Aiming for the head, as far as I'm concerned, and he and he, <laughs> him, and he went, went out for concussion protocol, and you never know; he could be playing on with the concussion. I, I feel that our doctors are quite uh, aggressive when it comes to that stuff. I, I think mm. we're, they're quite on top of it. They're not going to even take a fifty-fifty chance. Uh, we've seen that throughout the season, uh, mm. but nonetheless, I, I yeah, bit of a bit of a weird call to see him with one week and everyone calling out for. um I know we're talking about a different game here, but. Uh, Tom Green and you know giving a little bit of a, a bit of a touch to the solar plexus of a player and they're calling for him to sit out a week. Uh, two very very different situations and one significantly more impactful than the other. Um, but it all kind of came together, so I think maybe a week is somewhat fair uh, in the scheme of things.
1: Yeah, I mean I don't know if Blakey doesn't come back on, then really it's probably more like a three to four week. That's right. I
0: It's the action, not the not the uh, results, right? So, yeah, yeah. yeah it, but it isn't at the same time. So, yeah, it's a good call, mate. I think um, missing Blakey for a period there, while it cost us a few points. Um, uh, definitely, I think they scored seven or eight points on the top of that with a goal in the middle of it. So, yeah, could have been could have been a different story if we'd had him. One of our most most probably our most consistent back, uh, most important back for the year, given all the all the time off for some of the others, that would have been a different story, I felt.
1: Yeah, I mean, who knows, mate? One five in the first quarter. Um, that did it, for they, us. <laughs> yeah. they, they were 3-2, so, you know, yeah. it's a bit hard to say, isn't it? But, yeah, look, I don't know. I think you've you got a point there on Hayward? Yeah, I kind of felt like uh,
0: there's been a bit of um, rev up about what Hayward did to let a goal through for Cottrell. Um, what happened was, I think, it uh, might have been uh, Charlie Curnow kicked the ball you know, just, in, just around the square and ball bounced to the ground. And it just happened to be Hayward uh, running back to have an opportunity to kind of mop it up. Um, he was stretched out pretty hard, fell to his knees, missed the ball, and they ended up collecting it and kicking a goal, um, which on the back of a what seemed like a bit of a mistake. And I've heard and I've seen a few people trying to light him up on the back of it, but he was in the defensive goal square he plays forward. That's hard work to get back there. So I just wanted to go out there and just give a bit of love out to him to be like, okay, yeah, you know what, it didn't keep his feet, but he'd also probably sprinted for you know, a good 100 metres to get there to put on a bit of help in that back line when we very much needed it. And, yeah, wouldn't have probably got the ball anyway, but it is what it is, so it's happened. So just a bit of a bit of love to Hayward. It's a bit unfair that he's kind of copped abuse, I think, on the back of that one.
1: Mm. Yeah, mate. I think that's pretty much it for me in terms of stats. I mean, the big one's accuracy, really. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and if we're jumping ahead to current day, then obviously since then, Melbourne's gone out in a very similar fashion against the Blues right. um, and probably worse than us, you know, kicking 9 17 or whatever they kicked. Um, and we're 9 14. So, you know, pretty lucky, Carlton, hey, if you think of that, um, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you can't you can't sort of change the numbers in terms of behinds, but it's sort of all it's it's how the game goes within the game and the and the way that the the crowd is reacting, the way that the umpires are seeing the calls. I don't know. It's just interesting that two games have gone Carlton's way now. So yeah,
0: both in that way you said, but yeah, you know, kicking one five in the first quarter and then two five in this, in the last quarter, um, that, that's going to do it to you. So, um. We had the opportunity, right, and we didn't take it. But as you said, you know, everything, the crowd and everything kind of comes into it at the same time. So yeah. it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, look, do we want to go over a few favorite moments, mate? Do you have a couple on your side that we want to talk through? Oh,
1: look, I, I my recollection is of Errol and kicking two amazing goals and just losing my shit at that point. But um, <laughs> that, that's kind of it for me, if I'm going to be honest. Like, Oh, no, um, McLean did a few good things as well, yeah. um, a couple of really good clunks throughout um but yeah yeah over to you mate
0: yeah look i'm just going to point out a couple quickly um uh,
1: two good ones
0: and one i think a bit of a missed opportunity missed scene uh wixie had a good game um he was all over the shop he was uh, really nutting down putting a lot of pressure on players there but him kicking zero and two in front of goal has just been a bit of a trend of his. it's just if he starts to kick straight I think we we really start getting excited. And some of those goals that we could get from that pressure forward, uh, given that he has the opportunity to kick those, it would be massive. So I kind of foresee a good year for him for next year is what my quiet point is there. The other one I've got is um, Blakey had this incredible one-handed contested mark to get the ball back inside the 50 to give us another shot at it. So um, just really happy uh, with that one. That was just a superb moment uh, under the most amount of pressure you could ever imagine, and he did the job. But one missed opportunity, uh, Wietering. He had seven one on ones and he only lost the one. Mm-hmm. He was phenomenal for them. And I just feel that we may have been, if we, I think we just kind of lent it to him. We kept kicking it to get everyone in a bit of perspective. The next highest was uh, McCartan with three one on ones. So he had over twice as many one on ones with the respective player and he won the like six of those seven. So we really didn't do a good job of making sure he was out of the game. In fact, we kept feeding him, and I think that would have gone a long way for us to have more opportunities um, in front of goal as well. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, look, moving on to the Bob medal, which is the Bevy of Bloods equivalent of the Bob Skilton medal. Uh, we give out 3-2-1 points uh, to the best Swans players. And this week, they get to get themselves a little... What do they have in Balinese? What's the Balinese um, money of choice? Uh, what's their the denomination?
1: The currency? Yeah, yeah, what is it? Oh, uh, Bali Bucks, I think, mate. No, okay, I have no well, idea. Is it the. Nah. Rupee? No, I don't it's know. Indone- this is yeah,
0: like- so, you're right, it's Indonesian Rupiah. Okay, so they get a few more uh, uh, so the INR or IDR. I think it's INR, uh, Indonesian Rupiah heading in their direction. So let's throw in another, I don't know, Hanji, which I presume is about five bucks. So anyway, we'll work it out. 1 um, three, two, one, three points for McLean, two points for Goulden, and one point to McCartan. Mate, do you want to take it away with uh, McLean's uh, stat points?
1: Yeah, mate. So um, obviously off the back of his four-year extension, he really um, played a cracker. Um, nine score involvements, five inside 50s, which is second for the Swans, 19 disposals, which is pretty high for, for the position he's playing, um, 10 con- contested positions, uh, possessions within that, 12 marks, which is best on ground, three contested marks, best for the Swans, and seven one percenters. So an all-round very good game from McLean. And really he was one of a handful of players that looked like um, you know, winning it for us um, at, at a point. But, um, yeah, how about how about you, mate? Did you uh, – you, you thought he had a good game?
0: Yeah, I think with the eyes, I mean, we saw him, as you mentioned earlier, in the body, just clunking marks like no one's business, and a lot of them pretty special for us. And um, and he was up against some pretty big boys, and, you know, De Koning as an example of that, Harry McKay, one that, like, they were competing up against him, and, and he was winning the majority of them. So massive stuff for McLean, really happy with the way he played. And as you said, to play that quality after signing a long extension – um, is I think telling of the kind of effort that he's going to be putting in for us and uh, an amazing year definitely a, a, a big year the biggest year for McLean and he's hoping that it continues on mm-hmm. um, right, two points for Gould I'll quickly just crack this one out uh, the two goals at the very very time as you mentioned earlier and beautiful goals and um, Sharpshooter, as we know he can be. 23 disposals with 20 of them being kicks, uh, the best for the Swans at 83%. So he was super sharp and got plenty of the ball. 564 meters gain, second for the Swans behind lloydy and seven score involvements, second on ground. So Gordon just continues to rack up those points, and there we say, probably wraps up. The best and fairest and the Bob Medal at this point, but we are not going to give away the tallies quite yet. We'll do that in the season review, but yeah, super special. Do you have anything to say about Gordon and his game?
1: Um, mate, I, I mean, I don't know what more you can say about him. He's, you know, all Australian in his third season. Yeah, he's been a clear um, best player for us. So it's just a, a matter of um, formality, I think, now. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see who comes up second and third. But yeah, no, he was, he was, um, phenomenal in this game as well he almost him and McLean really almost got us over the line so um but yeah it was just uh it was pleasing to see that he's, he's he's so consistent but obviously you know in in the context of losing um you know he's a consummate team player so you can see you know he puts he puts the team before um, any of his personal accolades, so um, which you love to see, right? You love to see, and that's why people are saying, you know, already future captain. Um, you know, we've got a lot of young, a good young leaders, but you feel like he's just uh, really come to the fore this year. So um, yeah, mate, nothing really to add there, obviously, other than. Um you know you feel his disappointment i think you know he's a he's a big swans fan as well so you you can kind of tell if he's looking grumpy i think it's fair to say my swans fans are pretty pretty grumpy so um yeah no mate he was he was unbelievable again
0: yeah that's it i think we as you mentioned there future captain Written in the stars, it's a lock in. I think at this point, it's just a matter of when, as you said. And who um, joins him? And who joins he, him? I think, yeah, that's right. Who joins him alongside him? Yeah. Um, Make one point to uh, just on the, on the, while you say who joins him
1: mm. on, on the
0: quiet. I feel McLean is uh, stepping up uh, his leadership. The way he does it on the field, the way he speaks off the on camera too, is excellent. Um, mm. I think he's a bit of a smoky for um, leadership position in the near future. Yeah, it's um, interesting. Okay. 1.2, McCartan, mate, uh, holding up that back line up against uh, you know, the best of the best in the year. I think uh, Kono's kicked over 80 goals this season so far. Uh, granted, 19 of those were against West Coast, but still, nonetheless, he was part of it all. Um, what do you want to say about McCartan?
1: Uh, 19 touches at 100%, 12 intercepts, 4 uh, score involvements. Uh, which rebounds um, three contested marks, two uh, second best on ground, seven one percenters, second best on ground. So, um, yeah, look, it, it was just a very solid game. Like, he's, he's clearly our number one key defender. Um, obviously, with, um, as we've already touched on, Melikin coming in for um, body and height support and then Rampy playing third tall. But, you know, it's... Yeah, I mean, we, we missed him earlier on this year, as we did Rampy, and we've spoken about the, the, the structure and the decimated backline um, in many podcasts this season, episodes this season, and I'm sure we'll touch on it in the season review. But, yeah, he, he was huge, really, in the game, as you said, coming up against two very um, you know, powerful key forwards and uh, one sort of out of touch but the other in, in career best touch. So, um, yeah, he, he, he was one of the, that other reason, really, for, for keeping us um, in the contest uh, so, yeah, it was pleasing to see again.
0: Yeah, and as you mentioned there, look, 12 intercepts in his 19 touches at 100%. Uh, that's massive. Like, score, four score involvements for a backman is just wild, right? It's just silly. So, yeah, massive, massive stuff from him, as you mentioned there, for all the right reasons. He's just a special guy. Honorable mentions, man. Uh, I know when it comes to a loss, especially a big loss like this, it's a bit tough to kind of drag in too many plays into this, but a few names you want to mention that. Uh, Probably uh, had a really good game and worthwhile having at least half a point and maybe uh, three or four uh, Balinese bucks to head their way.
1: (laughs) Oh look, mate! I think um, you know Millsy tried hard as always. Um, He was sort of thrown around the ground um, in a number of roles, and that's sort of um, you know he's able to do that. Um, Yeah, look, I I don't know Um, who who did you have, mate.
0: I'd put Blakey up there. I felt he had a great game, albeit missed a, you know, a quarter of it from being uh, punched in the jaw by someone. But he had a really mm-hmm. good game, I felt. Um, one-on-ones, you know, leaving his man, grabbing balls to the ground, you know, just just doing what Blakey does. And I think yeah, when we do the tallies, I don't think he's necessarily going to be up there in terms of game the game But if you were to ask me right now, who would I be putting up there with Best and Ferris? I'd be saying Blakey. Um, mm. Should be taking at least second place. You know, I think he's just been more special for us than we've probably taken for granted. I feel uh, just mm-hmm. given the state of the whole thing.
1: Mate, I'll I'll add um, Tommy Papley there. I mean, um, yeah. you know, obviously clearances and contested possession differential. These are things that we're going to continue to talk about until it's fixed. But he really all year has been, um, you know, that injection of of um, getting it out of the, the clearance when we need to. And, and and even in this game, he had eight inside 50s, uh, which was our best. Hayden McLean second at with five. And then, you know, he had seven clearances, which was best on ground. Um, and then Warner was be- uh, second best for Arsenal, four. And centre clearances, he had four, which was best on ground as well. So you could see was, there was a real concerted effort from Paps in the middle. Uh, but then you just, you know, obviously when it comes to goals... And behinds he was zero one, so you know he had he had a limited impact, I think. But you know he was probably playing a bit more of that sort of centre clearance role. Um, but yeah, look, I I don't know. Chad Chad was pretty good as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, got flat. flat, flat, mate, flat, flat. <laughs> Well look, it, it, we getting to the post game Of
0: course this ends the season We came in 8th at the end of the regular season 8th in the form of post finals As well, a pretty tough season uh, we, we touched on a few of the points And we're going to get into it a whole lot more In the season review But all in all, you know, push for depth uh, In the back line in particular uh, And uh, still managed to make it to finals Despite all the circumstances That had to be taken to get there uh, but, you know, still managed to blood in a fair amount with uh, the young talent that we had. And I think Horse mentioned, you know, you know outside of one or a couple of players, like we're three years younger than Collingwood are right now. So mm. we've got plenty of growth ahead of us. Uh, we got to the GF last year, of course. Uh, all, you know, we all agreed uh, pretty openly that we were there much earlier than we suspected. Um, but to get another finals uh, push for these kids and the way that they finished off the season pretty special so Mm -hmm. let's see where that ends up we miss out on finals so the finals are all kind of getting on Uh, as we record this this is post the uh, semi-finals so we know he's going to be playing in the prelim of the teams you've got Carlton, uh, Brisbane, Collingwood and GWS now one thing I did want to raise up here Noddy and just wanted to get your take on it I think you know where mine is. But a lot of fans out there are a little bit perplexed as to whether they're allowed to or not allowed to support GWS in the finals for this year. What's your take
1: on it? I guess my take is people can do and think whatever they want. But um, if it comes to me personally, um, I only follow the Sydney Swans. And then when the Swans drop out naturally, you know, you might have a team that you would rather win, but there, it's not in the sense of I'm actively supporting you, unless it was someone against the Bulldogs, probably. <laughs> but um, look, I I have a pretty firm position on this. I've, I've always been against GWS, um, having been thrust or created in, you know, um, a, a center that's like 10 kilometers from where we are. Like, I don't think that Sydney or New South Wales needed another team in the same city. If you look at Brisbane and Gold Coast, there's enough geographical distance that it works there. If you look at the other interstate teams, South Australia is a stronghold of Aussie rules football, so you know two cities in the one, uh, two teams in the one city. That's okay. WA as well, Perth and Frio, two two teams in the one city. That works when you've got everyone pretty much following the one code. Um, I don't think. You really needed to put a team in the same city. In, in you know, you probably would. I've said this before. You probably would have been better off locating them in Canberra. They spent enough time there. They got a lot of following there. Um, you know, and they could still get the the, the, the catchment down there in the Riverina. Um, so I. So what this, what this, what my position is is I am still, I still don't approve of the AFL's decision to thrust this upon. Um, the AFL audience to create this intercity rivalry. You already know my position on the on the poorly named Battle of the Bridge. I, I fucking shocker. hate it. It's a shocker. Yeah, yeah. Right? There's no bridges in between. Right? So let's just drop that. So look, they've created this and they're not going to undo it. You know, I mean, if they could just relocate to Canberra, that'd be great for me. You know, if they relocated to Canberra, if GWS were based in Canberra, my position might change. My point is in a city where rugby league and, you know, it used to be rugby union, but that's a whole different story. In a city where rugby, rugby league is the, most, is, the, is the most famous sport, most popular sport, you don't really need the dilution of another team. This, these are all my personal opinions, right? So everyone's going to disagree with me. That's fine. Or some might, some might not. Um, so I, what this means is I'm sort of coming towards my point is I am not supporting GWS, Okay. I, I think that the growth of the game in, in New South Wales would have achieved the same thing had they hadn't thrust this two-city rivalry on us. Right? I know that ACT is a territory, but it's basically like a little section of New South Wales. So, you know, um, I think the growth of the game could have still achieved that and you would have that same sort of vibe in Queensland where you've got the city going for Brisbane and then you've got another city that's like over an hour away going for Gold Coast right so that that being said you know i'm not going to support gws for that reason that being said i would much rather see a grand final of the giants and the lions because i would rather see two interstate teams play just to get under the skin of the vfl i uh, the worst possible outcome is collingwood and carlton it yeah. will just be an utter vfl wank fest so i so in that light i'm hoping that there are two, there are you know i think everyone's thinking the lions will probably get the do- job done at the gabba against the blues but who knows having seen the blues t- last two games right and i think most people are saying that collingwood will roll over giants but i'm i'm hoping that the giants can beat the pies and the lions beat the blues but then the lions thump the giants yeah okay in in the grand final
0: i take i take a very different approach to this um I grew up in uh, League Heartland, as you did as well. But I grew up in uh, Western Sydney, where you know, the catchment for GWS effectively is. And um, growing up playing AFL, there was a, there was absolutely nothing going on. Nothing. Aussie rules. Aussie rules. Aussie rules. Yeah. There was absolutely nothing going on. So it's it's for me having the team in Sydney, for all the reasons you mentioned there, I agree with all of them. I agree with the fact that they were like a, a boardroom-pushed uh, team to kind of make something happen without really thinking it too hard through. Um, and it was a bit of a lazy decision to kind of throw them out there and give them a random name of Greater Western Sydney. Like a lot of a lot of the things that they mention, I, I agree with all of those pieces. Having said that, now that they're here, uh, I am actively supporting GWS to win the comp outside of maybe Brisbane between one of those two. I'd 50-50, I'd coin toss it, how I felt about either one of them. For the purposes of the game in New South Wales, is was growing and then went stagnant, and the game in Queen, the game in Queensland's actually kicking off very well and continuing to grow. And a part of that is because COVID seasons are uh, the way that the, the Lions are playing, um, the way that Gold Coast are playing. For instance, Gold Coast has more members and more attendance uh, for AFL than it does the NRL. So there's a lot of benefits to having GWS spruik its Peruket's name up to start winning because when you're a young kid in Campbelltown, Bankstown, Parramatta, Penrith, all of these places that are exclusively in the city but NRL-driven towns, having an Aussie Rules team that's winning is a big factor to not being teased when you're at school or whatever to kind of start supporting something that you actually want to support. So I'm all for the GWS, uh, sorry, I'm all for Swans fans jumping on the GWS uh, back because I'll be doing the same thing. So for the listeners out there, you've got two not opposing views. I think we, we're very similar in a lot of spots. But uh, I think I am way more uh, geared to be uh, part of the Orange Tsunami uh, than you are, but for different reasons. But we both agree, bugger the VFL. We want East Coast teams winning. Uh, uh, definitely, we want a Lions NRL uh Grand Final. Uh, I think that would be good for the growth of the game because Carlton versus Collingwood is not going to grow the game in New South Wales or Queensland. We know that. <laughs> so let's just move on with that. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, any look, final I'll say you to your.
1: Time? I'll say to your point there. Look, I understand what you're saying, but I, I, I just can't help but feel. And, and again, like if you're growing up in the 80s and the 90s, yeah, I, I, definitely. There's the the grassroots support um, for you know. Aussie rules out in in the western suburbs of Sydney was not going to be there. But had the AFL not created this team because they just went, yeah, Parramatta, that's the second biggest city in Sydney, let's put them there, right? Um, there's there's no way of knowing how active uh, the Swans would have been in developing these areas of Sydney. I mean, there, there is really because you know th- there's been an improvement in grassroots support. You know, this is one of the things that the AFL can hang its hat on. You know, like rugby union's gone backwards, right? And rugby league is, is, has worked hard as well. But again, it's, you know, traditional heartland here. But what my point is, if there were no GWS team in Parramatta or Homebush or even further west, why couldn't the Swans have continued to develop pathways there? You know, it's it's just that's what I see. That's what I see. I, I think the reason it's good in Queensland is because there's geographical distance between Brisbane and Gold Coast. If you're from Ipswich, which is, which is effectively Parramatta of, of of Queensland, your closest team is the Lions, and you go for the Lions. And no one goes, "Why doesn't Ipswich have a team?" Right? It's just that's how I see it. I think it's a dis. It's it's we're in this situation. It's not going to get reversed. You know, I can see, hear what you're saying. I just think there sense. was. No, I, I don't. I don't think there is, mate. I well, think that- I, I,
0: tell, I tell you this, mate. I think with the Swans uh, in existence uh, and the NRL in existence, the Swans. Sorry, the Swans. Let me rephrase. The AFL was always seen in Western Sydney as being more of like a uh, the uppity uh, part of the world, you know, the ritzy part of the world. Like we know, that's not necessarily the, the truth. We know that the way the, the grassroots came from South Melbourne and they came over here and built themselves out of nothing, basically. And we'll get into that in a moment with our, the talk about Barassi, but. There's always been the only way you would have been able to start turning some of these fans, I feel, in some of these places around the, the, the Sydney side, would be to market a team as the underdogs, um, as the, the gritty, uh, annoying younger brother underdogs, in order to get themselves moving forward. And I think they're doing a good job of that now. So this is all theoretical, of course. We're both kind of coming up with ideas of how we feel about things, and it's a lot of emotion. And granted. But I think that's why it works a bit, but it's not been great. And I think them pulling all of the resources they have from New South Wales and not really investing anymore is a major part of it. It's it's not doing anyone any favours. But if we want to grow the game in New South Wales and Queensland, having GWS be a part of that uh, is good for the game nonetheless. Which I I know you agree with that, but it's just
1: a kind of a final well, point. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I just, you know, it's, it's hard to compare because it's like saying there's 10 clubs in Victoria. Um, you don't need to go to the game because it's the game that's played. And then there's 10 clubs um, or thereabouts of rugby league in New South Wales. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, there's two Western Sydney you know, powerhouses, Penrith and Parramatta. You know, so you know they've got their their traditional pathways for the, you know. So I, I get your point. You've got to have a team to follow in order to get you to play the game. But I I still, you know, it's 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 impossible to to walk this back because the damage has been done. They they were created, you know, and they're they're there now, and they've lost a flag and they're pushing for a flag now under two different eras. But what doesn't change is they've been fed. You know, um, you know. In order for them to have success, they've been fed high draft picks time and time again. We've yes, we have a history that we've we've taken from South Melbourne. So we're technically not the first Sydney team created in Sydney. I think that's a stupid point that people are putting out there. Mm. Um, you know, but I I think that you know you would have achieved the growth of the game if you sent it a team in Newcastle, and then that's the feeder club for Northern New South Wales, Sydney, Sydney Swans. Um, That is everything in Sydney Metro. So that takes in Western Sydney, Blue Mountains, um, south. um, And then you have Canberra, which takes in um, Albury-Wodonga, Riverina. And that, I think, that would achieve the same growth in New South Wales that I think you're talking about. And if the swans bow out, I'd be more likely to support the Newcastle, whatever they're called, and the Canberra giants than this stupid Western... I mean, they don't even call this sydney mate they call us south melbourne i mean it's cheeky it's know, tongue it's in cheek i get it but it's fucking it's it's bullshit right is what it is well, okay so yeah, yeah go on. That, the, the, no i'm just saying this is this has become the, the key talking point of this episode uh but i love it i love it because you're right there's been a lot of back and forth on the socials i am in the camp of i'm not going to support anyone other than my team, but I might have a favorite uh, for the reasons I've explained. But I can also hear what you're saying, um, although I don't agree with it because I think growth of Aussie rules or AFL in New South Wales could have been achieved if they didn't force a rivalry on us.
0: Look, I think it, it, it was the rivalry was a necessity in my mind, but I think what everyone's heard just out there is two. Uh, we, we agree in a lot of things between us uh, in terms of what GWS means for the game. As, as you mentioned there, the damage has been done. But uh, I think they're two perfectly good talking points and two perfectly good situations. And as you said at the beginning there, Noddy, you're allowed to do whatever you want with your
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. And any swans
0: fan out there that's questioning whether you're allowed to or whether their mate is allowed to, you're allowed to do whatever you want. So go out there, support yeah. who you want, don't support who you want, have the feelings you have, and it's all good. Um, what I find good.
1: funniest, Chris, I'll just add to this, sorry, just yeah, lastly, please. is that regardless of all the very logical, reasonable points we've come up with, people don't want to support GWS because of Toby Green. I think that's <laughs> the funny... Like, I think he's a funny. grub, and therefore grub. that's the funniest one. I think
0: <laughs> he's a funny he's a funny player. Like he's obviously changed, transformed himself this year, and and uh, yeah, I mean he's one of those players. And I've, I've mentioned it as well in the past uh, on those forums to be like, yeah, but you'd love him if he was on your team. Yep, you get yep. people like, I would hate him to be on my team. I'm like, would ya? A guy who can single handedly win you a game, you know what I mean? And the quality and class that he is, and the captaincy that he's put into now—like, I, I disagree. I think he's a very credible player. Yeah, he's a grub, but uh, yeah, if we can get that out of his game, like he has this year, he's, he's a pretty, pretty special talent.
1: Has uh, he got it out of his game though? I mean, I remember him elbowing and kneeing Florent when we played them, but that yeah, was this I mean, year, he's right? got the most of it out of his game. Let's just <laughs> <laughs> he's All better right, at cool. hiding it.
0: The reason we can talk about all of this about the GWS thing and the way that Sydney is right now and the reason that we exist here in Sydney is a big part of it is to due to our fantastic Ron Barassi who unfortunately passed away a few days ago uh, and uh, is famous for a number of reasons, not only being one of the best players uh, to ever play the game, also being one of the best coaches to ever play the game and just being a special talent that would arguably be probably the AFL's most important figure. Uh, in in modern time, Noddy, anything you want to say there before I crank on to a couple of his successes?
1: Ah, oh, no, mate. Just obviously, it's um, it's sad for um, the industry and obviously his family. But yeah, you know, we have a lot to owe to him for our um, early days um, for the Swans and the growth of the game at that point. Um, he's obviously a legend and is is going to be is dearly missed. So um, obviously sad, but yeah, incredible incredible career and um, impact he's had on the game.
0: Yep, 100%. Look, in terms of what he did for the Swans, just quickly go over it. 59 games for the Swans that he coached um, during probably the toughest times. He came in for like round seven of uh, 1993. Ended up getting us uh, immediately being a little bit competitive. Ended up getting a one win in that first year. The following year with four wins. The year after that, 1995, we got eight wins to double that. And then in 1996, of course, we came in second in that grand final that you were at, Noddy. So he was massive to the game. And if we just quickly look at it too, memberships when he took over were just scraping over 3,000. When he'd left, it was 9,000, so tripled. Uh, Sorry, 6,000 doubled when he left. And then after 1996, it's not been under 20,000 ever since then. So if you want to get an idea of how impactful he was to just transform a team into being competitive immediately within a few years of him taking over, he is the picture of that. And uh, I think the Swans club and the Swans fans owe that gentleman a lot of gratitude. And I I know there's not a single bad thing said about him. He's an amazing talent. And, uh, yeah, he has a a lot to give uh, to the Swans community. He had done Uh, for his career so Vale to Ron Barassi uh, probably the best who had ever done it on and off the field an amazing amazing talent um Just quickly, we've got a few things to go ahead with. Uh, Obviously, we're recording this uh, review of the elimination final as the last review for the season for the men's. Uh, We also have the draft and trade targets uh, episode that we're going to be putting out there. We've got a season review that is probably a week or two away. And of course, we are uh, going through a review of every single AFLW game of the season as well as we follow the girls through their second year and immediately looking uh, competitive straight away. So very happy with that. So if you are interested in making sure you get all your Swannies uh, news, even in this off season, please make sure you follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, just follow us wherever you get your socials. Uh, It does make a difference to the channel and we very much appreciate the growth of the channel for this year. It's been very special for us. Well, Noddy, it's been great to chat with you. We'll have a chat very, very soon. But until then, up the bloods and can you swanee!